But first today, as Muslims get ready to celebrate Eid al-Fitr, the end of Ramadan, we look to see whether it can possibly broker more than a mere short pause in the tragic eruption of deadly rivalry in Sudan between two generals. Thus far, it doesn't appear to be achieving too much. We offer you an explainer now from a skilled observer Some big personalities are involved here amidst a spectacular gold rush too in a country that seemed on the verge of democracy. Last Saturday, fighting broke out between forces loyal to two rival generals, General Abdel Fattah al-Buran, the leader of the Sudanese armed forces and effectively president since a coup in 2021, and General Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo, known as Hemedi, the leader of the paramilitary rapid support forces, the RSF, which had grown into a second army. He'd been serving as vice president. Now, they were previously allies, having together overthrown the former former President Omar al-Bashir in 2019, on which we reported at the time. The UN says neither side appears ready for negotiations, despite the US trying to broker ceasefires. It's a very bad brew, which I'm hoping Dr Nareldin Sati can help us understand. He's a seasoned diplomat, having been former Sudanese ambassador to the US in various countries now co-chair of the Wilson Centre's Sudan Working Group, based in Washington, D.C. Good morning, Dr. Sati. Uh, Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, ABC. It must be agonising, candidly, uh, for Sudanese watching from overseas uh, this situation. Do you think we're about to see a civil war break out, in all honesty? What are you hearing from people inside Sudan? Yeah, it's absolutely uh, heartbreaking, you know, to to uh, watch this happening in Sudan uh, and in the capital Khartoum, which we considered as one of the safest capitals in the world before. And uh, it's um, whether we are going towards uh, a full-fledged um, civil war, um, it is quite possible. All the ingredients are there, uh, unless something is being done about this. Uh, I see, uh, you know, a trend for the two parties uh, uh, to want to fight it to the finish and to get the upper hand uh, and tilt uh, or um, to the balance of power to their favor. Uh, but I do not see this happening in such situations. There is, a, uh, you know, a risk for this, uh, you know, degenerating in, into a full fresh kind of. Uh, of confrontation, especially that we already some kind of ingredients of regional uh, powers, there's a central powers and all that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, uh, further uh, regionalization and tribalization of the the political uh, spectrum. Uh, So the ingredients are there, but I'm hoping that uh, wisdom will prevail at the end of the day and that will be able to prevent a civil war. I mean, it's it's so disappointing because, I mean, really we'd followed this story of Sudan uh, on Saturday Extra and there did seem genuine progress on the transition to a civilian government recently. In January, there were talks to bolster support for, uh, for a framework uh, to that effect. Were you convinced, I wonder, of this apparent progress? Some observers remarked that there were always long odds of success and wondered whether the generals would honour the deal. Did you share those doubts? I did in a way, yes. Uh, 
because this is not the first time. Uh, well, uh, already we, you know, the civilians, uh, uh, you know, concluded with the military uh, uh, earlier, uh, uh, August 2019, what was called at that time the constitutional document, uh, which was, uh, you know, formed the basis of a, of a common, you know, a joint, you know, kind of disposition for governance in Sudan between civilians and military. But the military walked out on that, particularly at the moment where they were supposed um, to hand over power even symbolically to to the civilians. That was in October 2021. Yes, I remember. And they repeated, and, and they repeated the same thing, you know, a few days ago when uh, uh, we were on the verge of signing a final agreement with them based on the, on the framework agreement. So uh, many among us were saying... Um, we're doubting the sincerity of the of the military, but we're saying nevertheless, let us call their bluff and see exactly uh, whether they are genuine and sincere about signing this document and whether they are going to be sincere about implementing it. Mm. Yes, we have our own, our own doubts, but uh, we we had no other option. No, and there it did seem to be a you know there were sort of interesting civil society um, leaders emerging, and so it yeah I think it was worth hope. Uh, look, is religion involved in any way? Are these two generals? I'm going to ask you about them in a moment, but um, you know that whole sort of balancing act between uh, Christianity and Islam in Sudan. Now, is that involved in this or not? Not at all. Right. Not at all. All those who are fighting are, are Muslims, and uh, uh, well, there is, you know, well, the issue of religion existed when Sudan was one, you know, uh, uh, you know after 2011, and there was an issue of uh, Islam and Christianity. But once uh, uh, one part of Sudan went away, uh, and, uh, and now it's uh, the state of South Sudan, uh, this is not really an essential part of, of the conflict. Right. Uh, there are still, uh, you know, uh, some Christians in Sudan uh, who are, you know, occupying uh, their their space and doing their practices. They are not involved at all, at all in this in this war. Uh, tell us about these two generals, if you would please, and then our vicious uh, power struggle. Who are they? Those are two generals who uh, have been uh, together a few years ago in Darfur, uh, and they connived together to, you know, to crush uh, uh, what was called the counter in, in, in insurgency in, in Darfur at that time. And both of them are, uh, you know, accused of, uh, of accusing crimes against security and, and war crimes. Uh, and since that time, they, they colluded together in order to thwart any attempts at uh, at any uh, you know uh, reforms, uh, institutional reforms, including the military one. So Abdullah uh, Burhan is a, is a general of the French Sudanese uh, army, the regular Sudanese army, and uh, uh, General Dagalo is uh, has been appointed as the head of the uh, militia, uh, which used to be called Zanjaweed, now RSF or. Or, or, or rapid support forces, uh, you know, formed by the former President al-Bashir. Uh, and it is a kind of uh, paramilitary kind of, uh, of uh, 
force uh, which has been uh, nominally integrated within the army without not fully being part of it, yes. uh, having their own, own autonomy. But he, uh, he's, a, he's a, sorry to interrupt you, but he's a very interesting character, this man, isn't he? Because he comes from, um, he's not certainly part of the elites. He's, he's not an especially well-educated person at all. And he's really risen um, in a way that I think, from what I read, surprises yeah. a lot of the the usual power brokers in um, within Sudan. Yeah, he's a self-named Ahmed man. Uh, you know, he used to be, a, you know, a, a kind of, uh, of I'd say, a burger or a shepherd in his older days, it seems. Uh, but he's uh, self-made and he has been able to, to use his uh, natural uh, instinctive intelligence uh, you know, to uh, to get out of uh, all kinds of situations and and, and even uh, you know, uh, helping to 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 undo the former regime of, of those who uh, Omar al Bashir uh, who made him and put him in that position in order to protect him. So he was able to maneuver his way, you know, up and, and become the the power that he is now. Uh, so that's exactly that's what happened. And some say he represents all the people who felt very put down and aggrieved in Sudan's. I mean, they're, they're sort of, you know, very often very powerful people, um, uh, people yeah, like that. Yeah, but, 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 but that's not, not the exact truth. Because at a certain time, he was, you know, uh, killing his own people and those disgruntled people. And they marginalized. Mm. Uh, the bulk of the Darfur people, he was uh, in the arms, no one weapon in the arms of the former regime to crush them and kill them. Yeah. So he, he is not, you know, the kind of uh, hero, you know, who would be oh, acclaimed. he's a ruthless uh, man. Uh, yes. Uh, he's a ruthless man. He, so all the, but, but he's so ruthless and, and, and you know, I say, uh, intelligent and crafty, that he was able to convert even those who only fought against in the past to be on his side. Uh, you know, as a former movement of Darfur, more movement in Darfur and in South Kurdistan and Blue Nile, uh, and he was fighting against them. Now they are his allies. Now I must ask you, you about the involvement of outside state and non-state actors in all of this. It's been written that both leaders have connections to powerful Arab neighbours, as well as Russia, yeah. as well as possibly the Wagner Group, um, the notorious yeah. Russian group who may well, well, there are some allegations yeah. that they've been part of training the paramilitary group led by Hamedi, the man we've just been talking about. Do you, do you, do yes. you think that's true? Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, it's true because on, on the one side... Uh, the, um, the RSF and, and some uh, elements of the Sudanese army uh, have been fighting in Yemen and have been sponsored uh, on, the, on the call of both Saudi Arabia and the Emirates at that time. Uh, and, uh, and they built uh, some kind of relations with, with those uh, two countries, particularly the UAE more recently, uh, and have some uh, strong relations with, with them at that time. On the side of Russia, the RSF mainly, both of them actually are caught in Russia. Uh, but uh, the RSF has more solid, uh, you know, dealings and relations with, with Russia and with the, the, the Wagner group, 
which uh, are, you rightly said have been training our uh, Arabic support forces. And uh, they are partners in many uh, shady deals, including uh, gold, uh, you know, smuggling and, and this ah, kind of well, thing. Ah, well, you, you mentioned uh, that was just a beautiful segue because uh, in the midst of all this, it hasn't had a lot of coverage, is this sort of somewhat spectacular gold rush that is underway yes. uh, in the yes. Red Sea and the Horn of Africa regions. And, yes. Um, yes. I, I wonder how much that's played into it, just the f- fact that there's just millions of dollars uh, being mm-hmm. channelled through here. Um, is is that adding to the brew? We can could go, uh, talk about the gold case, you know. Uh, I think uh, gold is, is playing a, a role in destabilising a number of countries in the region, including Sudan, uh, as far as Mali and, uh, you know, uh, Niger and other countries in that, uh, in that region. Uh, Sudan and Central African Republic, in all these three areas, you know, gold is being, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, discovered and, and exploited, most of, mostly illegally and smuggled, you know, outside of Africa. Uh, the, the same case in the DRC, we know very well that that has been the case for some time. So gold, uh, I think the, the gold is playing a very negative role because we we have not, our countries have not been able to to grasp the importance of that uh, asset and, and and legalize it and uh, in, in such a way that will become uh, uh, you know in the, in the benefit of, of the people rather than a case against them. Well, look. Uh we do hope that there's somebody who can circuit break. It, it's really quite heartbreaking to read it all when there did seem to be such hope. Thank you very much indeed for explaining all that to us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a good, have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Dr. Nareldin Sati, he's the former ambassador uh, of uh, Sudan to the US, co-chair of the Wilson Centre's Sudan Working Group and formerly has really presided over very important peace talks in Burundi as well. So I wonder if he could be brought into the into the uh, challenge. And I just must alert some, if you care to read more about that gold rush, if you look at Adam Tooze, the uh, English writer, he has a chart book online with a fabulous piece on the Sudan crisis and the Sahel gold rush, um, which certainly I think is a backdrop to all this. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.